Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and to delve into the challenges and impact each technology has in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The BIS monitoring system should not be used as the sole basis for diagnosis or therapy and is intended only as an adjunct in patient assessment. Reliance on BIS system alone for intraoperative anesthetic management is not recommended. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and any necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for the speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on anesthesia and the brain, we will answer the question, what issues could impact the biz monitoring values? To help answer this question is Dr. Stephen Bader, Chief of Cardiothoracic Anesthesiology at Heritage Valley's Health System in Beaver, PA. So common uh, issues that I think uh, everybody who uses the BIS should be aware of um, are, you know, anesthetic agents that we are commonly using for balanced anesthesia, you know, uh, maintenance agents such as anesthetic gases or propofol infusion. Uh, I think people uh, are very comfortable with, but then they uh, see unanticipated results uh, when they give boluses of of less commonly used, at least used to be less commonly used anesthetic agents. A great example of this is ketamine. So ketamine has come and gone in uh, clinical popularity over the years, but it certainly is in the limelight right now. I, I would say that uh, I've seen more ketamine use in this last year than I did in the previous 15 years of my practice. And I think that that's only going to continue. There's a lot of uh, interest in the literature in ketamine adjunct uh, for pain management and overall ERAS protocol, you know, uh, earlier emergence and lower dosing of other things. But one thing you have to be aware of with the uh, BIS monitor is that ketamine may transiently increase the BIS uh, number, even though it's deepening your anesthetic because it acts very differently on the brain than most of our other anesthetic agents. And I think people are frequently giving ketamine as a small bolus in response to surgical stimulus and perceived light anesthesia. And then they see the BIS number actually go up in response to their drug. So it's very uh, off-putting. You know, you, we, I, I don't want this number to go up right now. I want the number to go down. That's why I'm giving a little bit more ketamine during this stimulating period. So you just have to be aware of that particular pitfall. Atomidate can do it too, although it's really uh, much briefer. You know, essentially you get myoclonic jerking with Atomidate boluses in some uh, patients and you would see, you know, if you had the monitor on during induction, you'd give atomidate and you might see, you know, a few myoclonic jerks and then uh, some transient increases in the BIS, even though you have the patient at induction level of, of general anesthesia. We don't use halothane much anymore, but it, uh, it certainly um, has higher BIS uh, values than the other anesthetic gases. Um, and nitrous, again, come and gone in popularity used to be that almost every general anesthetic of, of an inhalational agent had some nitrous on board. But, uh, you know, thanks to the Enigma trial and subsequent <laughs> uh, uh, loss of interest in routine use of nitrous, you don't use it as often. But um, in the real world of clinical practice, it's still out there. People are still using it. And you have to be aware that 
nitrous oxide uh, may not have much effect on the BIS number itself, while it does still have an effect on the patient's depth of anesthesia. Uh, and one interesting uh, side effect of ephedrine, you know, so uh, we routinely use phenylephrine and ephedrine to raise the blood pressure during uh, uh, general anesthesia. Uh, and ephedrine is, you know, a, a central nervous system stimulant in addition to having its cardiovascular effects. You know, there's people who drink ephedra teas that contain essentially ephedrine as stimulants throughout the world. So it is uh, not too surprising that it may increase BIS values while not actually having a huge effect on their anesthetic state. So another common uh, pitfall to interpretation that is one of my favorites is, you know, EMG, uh, the component of the BIS uh, you know, analysis that results in the number has um, EMG activity of the forehead muscles as a big part of the algorithm. And, and that makes sense if you think about it. If somebody's grimacing, you know, raising their eyebrows essentially during the uh, anesthetic that, you know, would indicate light anesthesia. So if there's a ton of muscle activity underneath the sensor, uh, you're going to see higher BIS numbers. So what I frequently hear people say is as an example, during a general anesthetic, while well, I induce the patient uh, with propofol and rocuronium and fentanyl. And half an hour, 45 minutes into the procedure, I'm noticing that my BIS numbers after being relatively stable for the first 20, 30 minutes of my maintenance phase are now starting to rise. And at the same time, I happen to decide to give more rocuronium because I uh, needed surgical relaxation and the BIS number dropped precipitously. So that really upsets people. You know, if you're relying on this device to monitor the brain state, and then you give a neuromuscular agent that causes your brain state monitor to, you know, tell you that the patient's deeper. Uh, it's something that I think really puts people off of the monitor, but it's actually totally an appropriate response when you understand that the algorithm increases uh, the BIS number in response to EMG artifact, you know, and as muscle relaxant wears off, you're going to see the BIS number rise and subsequently see it drop if you rebolus neuromuscular agents. So, um, you know, just, just being aware of that can give you much more confidence in the device, even though that doesn't necessarily make you feel good when you're not, uh, when you're first getting to know the device. Uh, some other things that you should think about, you know, um, medical devices in the room that cause electrical activity, you know, can affect uh, obviously EEG artifact and therefore the number that the BIS generates may not be as reliable. So if they're suddenly starting to bobe a lot up around the head uh, or, you know, in the upper chest, you may see that reflected just because there's so much electrical interference uh, in the patient from those, you know, devices, anything with a motor on it, you know, forced air blowing devices, such as the warming devices we use, or some of the suction devices that are in there, shavers, you know, mechanical, uh, mechanical drills, any of those things can cause uh, electrical interference. It's going to result in, uh, you know, spurious this numbers. So if you're paying attention to what's going on in the room, you'll anticipate that, oh, my BIS is giving me crazy numbers right now, but I think it, they just started using that loud, you know, buzzing device, it makes sense that, uh, you know, it would interfere with the BIS. So you can take that into account. Uh, other things that are going to result in BIS numbers that don't necessarily uh, correlate, you know, if you have uh, unusual neurologic activity because of pathology, right? So somebody has a previous brain injury and they have like, you know, very abnormal baseline uh, EEG activity because they had a big stroke or, or a traumatic injury to their head, they, they may not have um, appropriate responses. If there's a, uh, and so you just have to be aware of that from the baseline. If there's an interoperative event resulting in, you know, uh, brain uh, 
anoxia, right? So you have inadequate blood flow or inadequate, inadequate oxygenation to the brain and you see really strange or very, very low BIS numbers that can actually be sort of diagnostic of a problem. It can tip you off that there's something wrong. You know, if you have somebody who's got a severely kinked carotid artery because of the way they're positioned, you may see, you know, very low BIS numbers that don't correlate to the anesthetic. Um, certainly when we have a patient who has cardiac arrest or very low cardiac output, we see this in the heart room. Unfortunately, you know, when you have sort of failure to wean from bypass very effectively, and now you have 15 minutes of profound hypotension and low cardiac output state immediately post pump before you crash back onto pump, you're going to see really low numbers on the BIS that have nothing to do with the anesthetic agent. It's strictly about the patient having, uh, you know, very low blood flow to the brain at that time. So uh, think always of other pathologies to the brain uh, that could be causing your problem. You know, and don't forget about being very cold, uh, having a profoundly low blood sugar, any of those things that can decrease uh, cerebral metabolic activity independent of your anesthetic agents, you know, should be on your mind as possible reasons you have this change in the BIS that really has nothing to do with your anesthetic agent. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.